Hey friends, Boss Man here. I want to tell you about my new partners at Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and very easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid the podcast like the Boss Man do. To get started today, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. Man show with the Montana Bobcats new head coach, Coach Danny Sprinkle. Coach Sprinkle, how things up there, Montana man? It feels great. We uh, just finished up a road trip on the eastern side of the state last night. We, me and the AD, drove about probably twenty hours in the last three days and saw a bunch of donors and boosters and fans, and uh, the excitement was awesome. It's, it's it's been great to be back home. Yes, indeed. And coach, taking this gig at your I'm a model has to feel really good because you know you you played there, you you assistant coach there previously, and you're the head coach. So it all comes full circle for you. Now, so how's it feeling, man? Just to know that hey, I own this program. I can put my staff on it. I can get get us back to prominence in the big sky. It, it's awesome, and uh, you know, I mean, it's a ton of pressure. I mean, most of it's just pressure I put on myself, but you know, just knowing obviously from playing here and, and how much pride people have in the state of Montana and in, in, you know, the basketball program at Montana state, and just, you know, being able to just kind of hold that mantle for a couple of years and just, you know, get these things rolling and just, you know, make the alums proud, the former players proud, you know, and that, that's, that's what motivates me when I come to work every day. Yes, it did. Coach, so what have your days been like? They've been like 20 hour days. I know it's a lot of, we got a lot of things going on when you do coach. So how long has your days been so far? You about hit it right on the head. It's about 20 hours. It's, uh, I, you know, I wake up about four in the morning, start making some East Coast calls and texts and getting back to people. And, you know, and then it, it ends about midnight. And, uh, but the good thing is I'm just kind of going on adrenaline right now. And I know it's going to hit me once I finish up, you know, recruiting and finish up my staff and get guys out of school. And probably about mid May, I'm going to have to take about 48 hours and just sleep. I hear that, coach. I hear that, man. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And I, I, right now, for you, like I said, now you're the head man in charge. You know, you you going for making suggestions now. To you actually got to making the decisions. So, how's that process been? Knowing that, hey, the buck stops at me now, and the final call is mine. It's it's awesome. It's uh, it, it's funny. You mentioned Deidre Taylor, who I worked for at Cal State Fullerton earlier, and. uh he told me now too. He's like, "Yeah, all this, all this. You had all these great suggestions, and now all of a sudden it's time to put your money where your mouth is." And uh, you know, we joked about it, but it's it, it's going to be fun. You know, it, it's it's fun when you're just sitting down and you're locking eyes with your players, and you know, and like you said, the buck stops with you. You know, it, you know the the one thing I've really noticed in the two and a half weeks is, you know, just the amount of decisions that you have to make every day. I mean, it could be a hundred little decisions it could be a big decision but everything is basically you know you're the final decision you know and uh you know you have to have you take a great responsibility uh you know when you take a head job 
got there right, Coach. And the good thing about the timing of taking the job is you got to get to kind of recruit the guys on the roster now. And before finals here come up, you can actually give them the quote with them a little bit in between all your busy duties you got going on. Yes. No, it's it, it's been fun. That's the biggest thing. You know, when I first, you know, the first week I was here, I, I met with each player, you know, and gave them about an hour. And I, I just let them talk. You know, I just let them talk, asked a couple of questions. But it's amazing what you find out, you know, when you just let them vent, you let them talk. You know, you learn a lot about not only them as a person, but, you know, how their experience has been so far. And, uh, you know, that's the way, you know, that I really learned from Diedrich and obviously from, you know, from Coach Braswell when I was at uh, – Coach Bobby Braswell when I was at Cal State Northridge for a long time is it was always a two-way street, you know, like – they took input from the players because obviously that's the most important people in our program. And that's, that's something I really want to incorporate here is, you know, they're invested, you know, and this is their program. This is their program. And, you know, I want them to have input. Well, there, right, Coach. One thing Deidre always talked to me about is player development and developing young men in the classroom and on, on the court. So I, having the four hours now, often two hours, which it used to be, there's someone to work with the guys and develop them as men, develop them as players, develop their mindset. And I, I can only imagine how excited you about, about the development piece of your team going forward. Yeah, it, I mean, it's huge. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, at, at Fullerton, we had a, you know, a hashtag on our social media stuff and it was hashtag develop you, you know, just the letter U. And, uh, you know, we took a enormous amount of pride of, you know, player development, uh, getting guys better, you know, getting freshmen. Uh, and by the time they were juniors and seniors being all conference guys. Uh, and then obviously off the court, you know, we had a bunch of different seminars and we're going to do it, the same thing at Montana state where, you know, they're learning about different things. I want guys to experience Montana. You know, they can go floating and rafting on the river where you can't do that in Los Angeles. Now you can go to the beach, but there's, there's things in Montana that you can't do anywhere else. And that's what, you know, that's what makes it special. And I want, you know, that's, that's developing them for later on in life. You know, a guy that I played with the be- one of the best players, Quadre Lawless, you know, he lives on a lake now in Indianapolis because he learned how to fish when he was in Montana, you know, and wow. just little things like that. That Yeah. And it's, you know, it's awesome because he would have never fished if he didn't come to Montana, you know? And so, you know, he played for about 18 years overseas and was one of the best players ever here. But, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff I want to, you know, incorporate with these guys. I want them to experience different things that Montana has to offer. You know, if they're from Phoenix, you know, that like stuff that they can't get in Phoenix, that's what I want to expose them to. And I think, Montana State would be good for some guys out here in Atlanta who need to get away from home because I feel like sometimes guys here stay here because they don't want to leave Georgia, but they need to experience life. Like for me, I'm from Florida, went to school in Tennessee for a reason. I know I, yep. I couldn't get nothing done if I was in Florida with around all my friends. I do it, I do it about myself, so I left. I can get my degree and get have my career blossom the way it has. So I think, you know, I mean, it's look outside the box. No one is sticking to their home area. But like a Montana State, you go out there and get a great education, pay for a coach who knows the university, and learn more about life and come back better for it. But I think some of these young men are these way out to stand close to home and be around all their friends. No question. No question. And it's, you know, whether it's a junior college kid, whether it's a high school kid, you can always go back to Atlanta. You can always go back to New York. You can always go back to Los Angeles, wherever you're from. But like you said, the, the experiences you can learn at Montana State University, it, it's different. You know, it's different than Dallas, Texas, you know. And it's something where 
I think it's always great. And even though I didn't do it because obviously I'm from Montana and came and played here, but when I went to Los Angeles coaching, like I learned so many different things because I, I was out of my comfort zone. And I want to bring players here that, you know, it is out of their comfort zone. Yeah, it's going to snow. Yeah, it'll be cold in the winter, but you're going to be in the gym anyways. And so, you know, but for them to be able to experience that, like you said, when you went to Tennessee, you know, you get away. You, you learn to grow as a man. You know, you have to grow up. You're out of your comfort zone, and, and now look at where you're at now. You know, you made it. If you would have stayed in Florida, you probably wouldn't be doing this. You're correct. And I can trust and believe that. I, that's so true because if I yeah. stayed in Florida, I would have got nothing done at UCF. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Yeah, and, and God forbid you went down to Miami. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't have gotten nothing <laughs> done. Yep. <laughs> yep. And coach, let me ask you this. I saw I keep kinda of hit on this, but at my time I stay, I think you guys can really go after five different kinds of players. High school seniors, you can get JUCO guys, a grad transfer, or a transfer who will sit one and play two or three for you, or sit one, play one, or international guys, because you got some of these schools out there on the West Coast and guys get a second chance as well. And you all can provide that for them. They went to a school, didn't get the time they wanted to, or whatever, what have you. You walk and provide them a great platform in the big sky because if you play ball and put out great tape, somebody will find you. You will play overseas or in the NBA or the G League or whatever if you just play the right way, put out there a good fit film, and somebody will pick you up. No doubt, and that that's what's that's what's so great about nowadays. You know, probably compared to when we were growing up, is with social media, it doesn't matter what level you go to. You just have to find the best fit for you academically, socially, and, and style of play on the court. Um, because NBA scouts, they're going to find you if you're in junior college, if you're Division two, Division three, NAI. It doesn't matter nowadays. If you can play, you can play. Uh, in fact, I think there's a kid in Atlanta that's going to be a first-round draft pick that was at – he might have been at Clark. I, I'm not sure on it, but I know yes, there's a kid great. in Atlanta. Yep, you're that right. He, like, he's a first-round draft and. I don't know if it's an NAI or Division Two, and uh, you know, obviously, I'm not from that area of the country, but obviously, obviously, the kid could play, yeah. And so, you know, he just he picked the right fit for him. Where if he had went to Georgia Tech, who knows if he's getting drafted? You know, he might get stuck behind an All American. Um, so I think exactly. you know, it, it's really critical that, and I think that's what you know is special about Montana State is we can get kids like that. You know, we can get a kid that may have went to Washington or Oregon and. And, and they bounce back because, you know, for whatever reason, they might not get the playing time they want. Or, you know, they're kind of a role player there where they can come here and, and really be special and flourish and be an all-league guy, which you have to have data. You have to have stats in order for, you know, professional scouts overseas or in the NBA or G League to, you know, to be able to decipher what you can do on the court. You got there, right, Coach? And we ask you about the non-conference scheduling. I know you got to go out to play some guarantee games to raise money for the school. But beyond those yep. guarantee games, what kind of games do you want to schedule for you for your program to make the non-conference schedule very challenging for your guys to get them ready to play in the big sky? Because you know the big sky is going to be tough with Montana with, with, with Montana degrees with Coach DeCure. You got Shante Leggins yep. out there at Eastern Washington, mm-hmm. Randy Ray down at Weaver, you know, Barrett over at Portland. So you got guys in that league that's going to give it's a rain every night. <laughs> so, no doubt. It's so how you going to go ahead schedule, man? It's uh you know, you, you I wanna play different styles in the non conference schedule, you know, that way because you know, there's there's so many teams in the big sky that, that play different. You know, some are slow grinded out, some are gonna be a zone defensive team, 
you know, some are going to be, you know, like Baird at Portland state, they're going to play fast. Um, you know, so I want to expose our guys early in the year to different styles. So they know how to play against different styles. So when we get to league, it's not the first time they've ever seen a team that plays fast. Um, you know, obviously you do have to play some guarantee games, you know, to, you know, get our budget budget sufficient. And, uh, you know, I, I have three guarantee games that I still need to get. So if you know anybody that wants to pay like 120000 tell them to call me. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, one thing I want to do too is, you know, play some regional teams. Um, but also, like, you know, guys that, I'm, that I recruit, I want to get them close to home too. You know, I mean, if we sign a kid from Atlanta, I want, I want to play a game during his time here, you know, against Georgia or Georgia Tech. You know, somebody, I, I want to bring him home to where – his, his friends and family can see him play, you know, in a Bobcat uniform. I think that's important. Uh, obviously, they're making a sacrifice to come all the way to Montana, so that's the least I could do for them. Um, but I want to I play a challenging schedule. You know, we have a good schedule this year. You know, we play South Dakota State at home this year. Um, they've obviously been tremendous the last, you know, four, five, six, for a while now. Um, we have to go at North Dakota State, um, who was young. They went to the NCAA tournament this year. And so, I mean, it, it's going to be – a you know, a brutal schedule. We got Green Bay at our place. You know, and I want to try and get at least two, three home games against Division One teams a year because, you know, our fans deserve that. You know, we're going to get great crowds, and you know, it, it's a fun atmosphere to play in. Yes, indeed. And Coach Sprinkle, man, excuse me, I like to ask guys this question as well about coaches who really inspired you, people who inspired you in the business. I know Coach Taylor really helped you out a lot. Uh, who are some of the coaches in your career, people, individuals who really helped you, mold you, and the coach you are today, and how the coach you're going to be now at Montana State? Yeah, obviously the first one was my, my father, uh, Bill Sprinkle. He he played football at University of Washington, and then he, he, coached, he coached football for a long time, you know, in high school, college, and and obviously that was my idol and that's, you know, who I wanted to be, still want to be like him. Um, you know, and then other than that, you know, obviously Bobby Braswell gave me my first job at Cal State Northridge. Uh, and I knew him from playing against him because Northridge was in the big sky back then. And, uh, he gave me my first job. I worked with him for 11 years. You know, we went to the NCAA tournament twice, you know, probably the hardest job in the league and, uh, just have an enormous amount of respect for him, you know, not only as a coach, but, you know, he really developed me as a person. Um, you know, just, the way he handled things daily and how he challenged me daily uh, really helped me, especially as a young coach. And then obviously, you know, Brad Hughes, who I worked for for a couple of years here, um, you know, was tremendous. And he's still in the community here. And, you know, I'm going to be meeting with him a lot. Um, and then obviously Deidre Taylor uh, at Fullerton the last six years. And just going from rebuilding that program from scratch into three straight, you know, postseason appearances, you know, two in the CIT and obviously one in the NCAA tournament two years ago, and just how he taught me how to think differently. Um, you know, you could come to him with ideas and he would challenge you and be like, okay, well, what, you know, well, why is that going to work? What if they do this? You know, and he really, my awareness with him, like, just went to a different level. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be ready if I didn't, any three of those guys, if I didn't have any one of them, I would be ready for this opportunity, you know, because I've, I've really learned a lot from each one of them. Yes, indeed, well, Coach Sprinkle. I'll tell you what, I'm learning a lot for you just right now. Just talking to you, I feel a passion you have for Montana State Bobcats. I can say, man, I look forward to talking to you down the road. I would have you on the show more often, man. Like, if you ever got a kid in Atlanta you want to talk about him, let me know. Let to talk about it. Cause I love when young men from Atlanta go out and they hear him play college ball. Love to talk about them with the coaches because I feel like it gives the kids here hope and promise that they they, they do the right thing. They get, they get to have the same spotlight and the same opportunity as well. 
No doubt. No doubt. Let's definitely stay in touch. And anytime you need us on the show or anything with Montana State University, you let me know. And, you know, once I get down, I don't know. Do you know Bobby Height? I know he works with CSE, uh, the agency down there. Yeah. And uh, he's a great friend of mine. So I'm going to be coming down there quite a bit to see him. And and, uh, and obviously me and Diedrich will be down there too, I'm sure. All right, because I'll never text you off the air and say, say, say my information because we never stay in contact when you're in town. Let it go to the Waffle House with you or whatever you like, Taco Mac. We got hey, all kinds of no stuff you're going to eat. <laughs> no doubt. I can't even remember the name of it. Me and, me and Diedrich would always go right off the airport. It's, uh, man, it's like a, it's a soul food. It's a seafood place. It's right, right out of Right outside the airport. Now, first off, Deidre goes to the Waffle House like nine times a day, by the way, too. So yes, next he time does. you have him on air, you <laughs> yes. got to ask him about that. Because, man, he uh, he should have stock in Waffle House. But there's a – man, it begins with an S, I think. It's a great little kind of soul food place right next to the airport. Um, I'll get it's the so name next time we talk. I'll bring yes, it indeed. Hey, this is it, barbecue. This is it, seafood. I'll tell you what. There's all kind of great food here in the, in the ATL. And when coaches come to town, we'll take them out to eat, man. He'll give them some good food. Show y'all's hospitality down here in the south, man. But so, Coach, we're eating That's town. right, baby. Look forward to have you, man. So I'm excited for you in the job. And you know my man, Diedrich. I know you're a great guy. So forward to meeting you as well, Coach. You bet. Thanks, man. Good talking with you. Our right, folks, with Danny okay. Sprinkle here on the Boss Man Show. It's maybe the night that my dreams might let me know. All the stars are closer. All the stars are closer. Tell me what you're going to do to me. Confrontation ain't nothing new to me. You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue, but you can't bring the truth to me. Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and SZA. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. All right, folks, enjoy the Boss Man Show with the new coach, Georgia State Panthers coach Rob Lanier. Coach, man, glad to have you in ATL, man, leading the Panthers. How's it feel? Man, it's been, it's been awesome. It's been a whirlwind, as you could imagine. Um, you know, just everything happened so quickly, JR. And, uh, but uh, my family and I couldn't be more excited. And, you know, great people. Uh, at the institution in the city, it's a great basketball city, and uh, I'm just excited, man, to get uh, settled in and get to know everybody. It's uh, it's been an exciting time. Yes, indeed, and coach, you have name value nationally because you was Tennessee, you was at Siena, different in Texas as well. People know who you are, so I think by you being successful with your previous stops, you know how to build build a program. Guys are going to want to play for you because they know they play for you. They're going to have a chance to play professionally, whether it be overseas, NBA, or in the G League. Yeah, you know, uh, player development is going to be a huge part of what we do, and we do take pride in the fact that we've over the years help guys get better and part of that is you know guys being self-motivated and and putting that together with a staff that's really motivated to help young people on and off the court a lot of good things will happen and so you know we're we're, you know the, the energy man since i've been here you know has been so awesome because there's so many people that have reached out that want to see us succeed and that 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 is that is just awesome. That's probably has stood out to me more than anything is how many people that I don't know who, who genuinely have reached out and said, we want to do whatever we can to, to, to help you be successful. And that, that means a lot. And coach, so, you know, Georgia State is actually Atlanta school. The city of Atlanta claimed Georgia State, not so much Tech or Kennesaw or Clark or Morehouse or Spelman. Georgia State is like the city, the city school. And so the city of Atlanta, 
loves that school like no other, and they the city will want to help this school succeed. So I can tell you from living here, I this Georgia State is the city school. It's a school the city always backs up and is behind always. Yeah, I, I feel that, Jr. And, and it means a lot to me, and it's an honor to be the one to represent that. And uh, and I got the sense when I met with Dr. Becker and Charlie Cobb that they're really in touch with that, that that uh, that they want this to be Atlanta's school, uh, not just from a basketball standpoint, but just as a university like you're talking about. And so it's an honor for anybody to be leading uh, a program that's prominent on that campus. And so uh, I, I, I'm not going to take that lightly. And, Coach, you know, as you probably know, the a new arena's coming soon, hopefully, down down there by Turner Field. So you're going to have that down there in that nice place I saw the, the, the article on it. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys play in that building. And I know your guys are excited about what you bring to the table, the player development piece, Coach. And I know the relationship with your players has probably been the best part of the job so far because that's the main thing because you bought into those players. You're there guy now you believe in them took this job believing in them so that makes these guys feel really really good know that you have their back going forward yeah you know what i got a lot of respect for ron hunter and the staff that was here um i've always had respect for them from the outside looking in i know how hard this business is and anybody that's had the kind of success that ron has had has obviously done a great job and uh, he's surrounded himself with good people and now that i've been at the school working out with these guys I, I I feel that way even more because they recruited good players. They knew what they were doing. Um, and and so I'm excited about that. And it created a situation where I think this, a lot of kids, like you said, want to be here. So we, we embrace that, and we're going to try to carry it forward. And, and that's that's an exciting challenge for me and for my staff. The thing about Georgia State is, Coach, that you, if you go go to Georgia and you don't get to what you want to go, even Tennessee or wherever, in the South, Auburn, Alabama, you can go to Georgia State and still play well. You can be a world beater in some belt conference. You can get seen because my thing about this coach, as I tell young, young men all the time, is if you put out good tape, they'll find you. If you put up the right numbers, they'll find you. So I don't give you Georgia State, even Kennesaw or Mercer. If you, you do your thing, you will get seen. And being or Georgia State in Atlanta is going to really young, young, get seen if you come there and play well. So you can, I feel Georgia, Georgia State's a great school for a second chance as well. It would be a JUCO guy, grad transfer guy, wanting one more chance, or a transfer guy who needs to sit one and play two or three for you. So I feel like it's a great spot. And you can get an international kid or a high school senior if, if you want to. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to approach it all of the above. You know, uh, I, I think part of the reason that so many mid-major programs have success in the NCAA tournament, by and large, is because they have older kids, kids that have been through it, whether it's by way of transfer or that they've been in the program for three or four years. And uh, the success that we had recently at Tennessee was really a great illustration of that, that we had a lot of kids that people didn't want, um, that people didn't think was good enough, and – we got them. We worked really hard. They got better. And we had veteran players in our program. I mean, very rarely do you have kids that have had a losing season as a freshman or sophomore and then be ranked number one in the country for four weeks as a junior and senior. So uh, those experiences, I think, uh, kind of set the stage for the way I see how we need to put our, our, our program together and uh, – so I, I think that's a good example for us of like how having older guys uh, can help you win. And you get that way from having experienced guys like Kane Williams in the program 
or guys who have transferred back and had success. And uh, we're going we're going to explore all of those opportunities. I know Ron Hunter used to tell me all the time that George State is transfer you. So he used to always tell me all the time it was transfer you. It's redemption you. So I believe that. And I see you're going to go through that same process with Georgia State and coach. I know you're going to love this. You got four hours and some time to work with these guys. It was two for a long time. But having four hours, you can do some skill development work, some teamwork, and get these guys fully invested in your system. Because I don't know if you're going to play the zone Ron, Ron play. I know you will probably play more man. So teach them those principles yeah. you want to teach them on defensively. But I know having the four hours can really be good for you guys going forward. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great point, Jr. Like we're, we're going to need the summer, those seven weeks when we're together. We absolutely got to make the most of that opportunity um, because, again, you know, I, I say to people all the time, we're, we're not rebuilding because Ron has built a great program, but we are going to be reshaping it some because we're going to do things a little bit differently. And I've been in situations where, uh, you know, you're making a change simply because, you, you you know, you do things differently a little bit yourself. And so there'll be some change. And we'll play some zone just to ease some of the transition because they were so good at it. Um, and at the same time, uh, we're going to play the way we know best how to play, and that's going to be man-to-man for us. Yes, indeed. And I know Coach Non-Conference scheduling-wise, Georgia State, I don't know how many guaranteed games you have to play but a lot of schools may major play guarantee games. But I know beside of those games, you know, you don't look at child play teams like Kennesaw, Mercer, go SEC, play, play Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama. Again, kind of get those guys from some that tough test because you want to go to the NCAA tournament, get them a little feel for it in November and December there. Yeah, there's no doubt. We're, we're going to try to play a tough schedule. You know, our, our goal is one day to get an at-large bid. And so – as we build the schedule and as we grow as a program, we'll figure out the best way to do it. Obviously, the last 10, 12 years, I've been doing scheduling at the Power 5 level, and, and our philosophy was always to try to play one of the best schedules in the country. And and we've done that uh, every year. Now, scheduling is a little bit different at this level, so we got to find a way to, to optimize the schedule, you know, with a new landscape, you know, being being at a, at a more of a mid-major program. But also, we – if we're going to play in a new building in several years, we, we need to get people to come there. And we, we, we're going to do our best to try to utilize the schedule to create an opportunity that we can get some of the power teams to come in and play at our building in Atlanta and, and, and create that sort of excitement as well. Yes, indeed. And, Coach, I want to ask you this, man, because I don't really know about your background a little bit. Who are some coaches in the individual really had a profound impact on you in your career leads to the points you are today leading out the Packers here in the ATL? You know what? Everybody I've worked for uh, has had a real impact on me one way or another. You know, early in my career at age 21, I was hired by a guy by the name of Jack Armstrong at, at Niagara University as a graduate assistant. But at that time, the graduate assistant had a lot of responsibility. Uh, I was in graduate school, but I was also the strength and conditioning coach. Um, I was the academic coordinator, and I had coaching responsibilities on the court because at that time you were allowed to do all of those things as a graduate assistant. And things have changed. I think they're kind of turning back that way now, but but that was that was the, the, the norm back then. And so I did that for two years for a guy who was super organized, super meticulous, and I learned a lot about organization from being around him and being in that program. Then I spent five years with a gentleman by the name of Jim Barron uh, at St. Bonaventure University, which is uh, my alma mater and his. And uh, I worked for a guy in Jim who was the ultimate uh, 
a positive individual in terms of always seeing things through a positive lens and always feeling like things were going to be work out because of how hard we were going to work. His glass was always uh, uh, half full, if you will, and, and he was a, a great program builder. So being around that energy was positive for me, and then I had the opportunity to be around Rick Barnes, and I got to develop a little bit more of a blueprint of all right, how would I do things if I had my own program. Uh, Dave Lato, I worked for at University of Virginia, who had spent 15 years with Calhoun at UConn, and and so I, I got a feel for that and his personality and how good of a communicator and competitor he was. And then I spent four years with Billy Donovan, who's one of the best offensive coaches in the game, particularly in the college game, um, so much so that they had to have him in OKC. You know, yes, um, indeed. So he was, he, was a, he was a great role model for me as it relates to scouting and, and the offensive game, pick and roll, pick and roll defense. Um, and so I, I learned a great deal from him and, and created a great relationship with him. And then I spent the last eight years with Rick again, and, and he was at a different point in his career when I came back to him, and I was at a different point in mine. And so I had a, a bigger, more significant role in what we were doing, and all of those things have, have contributed to my development as a coach. Yeah, and I think, like I said, you're going to do a great job. And he's a funny coach. I have a lot. I've had on Anthony Grant, John Pelfrey, Eddie Shannon, Matt McCall. They all swear by Billy, that Billy Donovan and what he's done for their careers. And I'll tell you what, I've met him a few times when he comes to play the Hawks, and he's always been a great guy to talk to. Yeah, absolutely. Good man. Now, Coach, now I covered the NIT a little bit this past year with following Lipscomb around, and I saw some of the rule changes they were experimenting with, the delaying, the three-point line, the resetting of the fouls. Are you, are you a guy that won't see them maybe go to a quarter system, uh, go to the five-team fouls, spend the three-point line, go out a little bit farther, maybe advance the ball with a timeout into the game maybe? Are those some rules you want to see the team maybe implement real soon here? Uh, as a fan, I like it, but as a coach, I don't. And, and and the reason why, you know, and, and never mind the, the, the specific rules per se, but I think the college game is special. I think it has its place. And I don't necessarily, as a coach, feel like there should be this great need to make the game more like the NBA. Um, I think the game should be uh, true to the college game. And once they change the rules and guys should be able to go – straight to the NBA from high school. I think they should. And that's another discussion for another day. But uh, I, I'm i not sold on the game having to change and go that way. I think the game should should be special. It should be distinct. And guys who want to play the college game should play the college game, and the college game should have his own personality. If they want to move the line back, I'm okay with that and opening up the floor, and I, I want to use the three-point line. So I'm – I'm good with that move back to the international line. I think that's good for the spacing and, and, and such. But uh, I'm I'm not a proponent of continuously making the game the same as the NBA. If they are going to do that, then the, then the discussion about playing the pay, players and all of that takes on uh, 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 more substance. But uh, if if it's really true that we want the game to be unique and special, then let's not go out of our way to make it like the NBA game. I hear that, Coach. Now, Coach, now you are new from New York, so are you a Giants or you a Jets fan? I'm from Buffalo, New York. Oh, because you're a Buffalo Bill fan then. So, yeah, there that's, you go. That's right? on, you know what? I, that's I on was, team New York, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, they kind of wore me out, but I, I, I fought through all four of them Super Bowl appearances and everything. Now, I got to tell you, so, when, yeah. uh, when you all came to, to the stadium, the Bills did, it was more Bills fans louder than the, Fal- than the Falcon fans were. It threw me off. Like, they came down, ATL made a Bills home game, and Matt Ryan going to a silent count. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> the Bills mafia yeah, was crazy, any, man. Any fan base that can that can weather uh, uh, that that climate up there for football games, you know you got a passionate fan base. And uh, there's probably not a more passionate fan base in the NFL than the Buffalo Bills fans. Yes, indeed. And Josh Allen, I think, is going to do some things for you guys here real soon, Coach. So I'll definitely be hitting you about, about your Bills, man, because I know, I know how the, the football season goes, man. The Falcons and the Bills always give us both headaches probably. <laughs> they always check us down through them, man. But, hey, Coach, I am – Happy that you're in town. I'm glad you got this job. When I heard you make it the job, man, it made me excited. I said, my man will be writing ATL with me. <laughs> like that. Yeah. So, Coach, thank you for your time today, man. Get you some players out there this weekend. We evaluate these, these, these guys and get this thing going, man. I appreciate it, Jr. Thanks, man. Anytime, Coach. Thank you. All right, it's Rob with their people on the Boss Man Show. Till the tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me somebody to love? Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. Somebody to love. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Alright folks, back here on the Boss Man Show. Time for this week's bad take segment. And to start us off, we have a we're gonna go old school. We have a listener email pertaining to a topic of online dating, but it's not spelled anywhere near. We'll let Jay break this all down with me. So Jay, read this pathetic email from this listener who butchered our names. And wants to get back into the dating scene, obviously. Oh, yeah. Our, our names were butchered. It's not even a close call. Melibu Heroda X and Terrified Taliana Ch- Chanique. <laughs> that is nowhere near. It, it, when, when did I become Muslim? <laughs> <laughs> and when did I become purified? <laughs> exactly. Like, What? I, me, uh, recidentally seeing Gail. Oh, I, me, entering and Oileen dating. What's cool, Oileen dating? Paces, Hanks, Carlos. So, to decode this Jabroni's Morse Cody synthesis, the clown is saying he's recently single, which maybe is his spelling, Jay. Maybe that's why he's recently single. I can't take your spelling anymore. He said he wants to enter, quote, oil line dating. Now, Jay, he, people, he spelled online O I L L E I N. My man. That's why you're trying to oil a car or something. Oiling. Like, get that auto zone or something, my man. Like, really? Like, online, not oiling or whatever you said you're trying to do. Dating. What's some cool online dating places 
Hanks, my man Stanks, not Hanks. We ever closed an uh, email or a citation or closing by saying, quote, Hanks. That's Stanks, my man. And secondly, my name is not Melabu Haroda X. And her name is not <laughs> Purified Tlina Chanik. I don't know where you, where, you, where you got there from. I'm not I'm not uh, praising Allah, and she's not a, a type of oil for your skin, my man, that you get at Walgreens. Get your mind right. So, on the show, we've talked about online dating and passing. Uh, my man, recently single, first of all, mixing a spell check, okay? That might help you. Because the woman can't know what you're saying, she's not going to respond to your message, my man. I'm just saying. Now, this is my personal thoughts, Jay. You, you can chime in if you, whenever you're ready. If you're going to online date, even though those are not specifically online dating sites, I would do it via Facebook or Instagram. Reason being, you have more chances to see them as to who they are than you do on POF that I learned about, tagged, OK Cupid. Tinder, Black uh, uh, Partner and Bumblebee, uh, whatever else they got out there. I'd rather use the Facebook or Instagram because you're more likely to get a, re- a representation of who they are than you will on one of them other sites. And Twitter is a crapshoot at best. Unless they have a post a lot of pictures on, on the Twitter feed. I wouldn't do Twitter because that profile could be a profile I picked from years ago and it may look like nothing like, nothing like, that, like that today. So, my man, as you re-enter the Orlean dating, my man, <laughs> take this advice and run with it. I'm going to let Jay break it down for you and let you have a, get her name wrong and our names wrong and give you, give you her take on your dumb email. <laughs> yeah, I agree 100%. Um, and I'm going to piggyback right off of you uh, real quick about the Facebook and Instagram because I do agree with that 100% as far as online dating. And not only can you get to see somebody for who they really are and what their character is, or at least, you know, as close as possible to it, you get to see who their friends are and how they interact with other people. And... Um, it just gives you more insight. You get to go through they, you know, their profile and stuff like that. And sometimes you may even have the same mutual friends. That happens a lot. And also Instagram as well. Although Instagram, you don't necessarily add friends. It's more people following each other. You get to see more of who they are. Whereas POF and Tagged and the Cupid and stuff like that, anybody can put whatever they want in, in their profile. They're not really actually interacting or posting on their timeline or anything like that. So they could be really putting anything on there. You don't know who their friends are, who their family is, or anything about their character more so than what they're telling you. And another trick is to go to Instagram places. Put in popular places in your town to find potentially women who you may like to follow or get to meet and to follow you back. Send them a message. And on Instagram, you have an advantage. If they read your message, they don't send it until you, you can unsend it. Like it never happened. So, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, uh, my man, but your main problem will be spelling, sir. Your, your, your dictionary, your diction, your grammar, your spelling is going to be a problem. So, I'm going to need you to work on that. Let me send a Google 
translate, mix in a dictionary. Or so when you type, so you they can understand what you're saying, my man. Because what you sent me us today will get you no, no, no dates fast. Okay, I'm just telling you, my man. No dates fast. None. Now, you saw how you can be kin to my next take. Alvin, Jay, he gives he gave me his annual take on quote Esther. Not Easter. I gotta hear about this. Esther. And he asked me, boss, uh, ain't Esther when the three ice men go see George jump off of the crossroads, right? The three ice men. Ice men? And who's George? <laughs> Can see me and Jesus? <laughs> go, go see George jump off the crossroads. I said, Alvin, you're confusing two, two holidays, Alvin. Christmas and Easter. You're confusing them. No. I think Christmas is where they go find that not that that puppy that was born, right? Down there by the Eclipse Star, right? The puppy? <laughs> you mean our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Alvin? <laughs> nah, boss. Puppy. How are you gonna try to correct you? <laughs> Then he asked me, a puppy was born on Christmas. Exactly. And then he tells me, the boss, they was reading, you know, in, in that holy box about the ten <laughs> condiments. And I heard him talking about nor his ox, nor his ass, nor his mason. I said, man, I had no idea that condiments had asses. <laughs> Paper had asses. Wow. <laughs> Mustard, they had the 10 condiments. So, what does that mean, boss? They had grass, lettuce, fruit, apples. My man, my man. You mean commandments? <laughs> not condiments? There's no like, condiments in the Bible, and it's not a holy box. It's a Bible. <laughs> my, my man, please, when you go to church, listen. Don't have a take because <laughs> it's not working for you. Please. I never heard somebody call the Bible the holy box. <laughs> the quote holy box. We told me it was. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what? <laughs> the holy box. I'm like, my man. <laughs> Will you tell me that I think I think of something else, my man. But I know what you mean. But I think of something else. Will you tell me the holy box, okay? My mind goes elsewhere because I'm just dirty like that. But my man, yeah, boss. Um, these condiments and oxen asses, and I just didn't know condiments had asses. I ain't no grass, lettuce, apples, and fruit. That's those not even condiments. First of all, it's the commandments. Exactly. The commandments. Nah, boss. The condiments. They tell me about some guy named uh, uh, Tozes. And Tozes led the people to somewhere. I think I was on the map. Let me see. This fool told me Tandil. You mean Israel? 
Wow. Tandil. And the Eastern Lights was with Toses as well. Israelites? My man. Your take is pathetically bad. Yeah, it really is. And 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 boss and also in the boxes this thing called the old testicles and the, and the new testicles. Wow. Okay. Uh, what? <laughs> My bad. The testaments. What? Boss, I, I know what I heard when I was at that container with the man in in in, 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 in the road was telling us about the stuff, boss. Alvin, you you heard wrong. You're very wrong. Your takes are terrible. <laughs> like, my man, go to church. That's good for you. But when you go, I don't know. I don't know how to comprehend it better, my man. Because and Because you, you can't tell me what you just told me, and it's a good take. It's a horrible take. He can't go around telling everybody that. Old testicle. The Holy Box, calling Condom. Jesus George. The three ice men. <laughs> <laughs> the Tandles, the, the Tandil. Like, to call it Moses Toses. Like, my, I, how many bad takes are in one take? <laughs> A lot. At least ten are right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, Esther. Easter's Esther. Yep. Yeah, like you had one main bad take, and then he had like the sub bad takes that went along with it all into one big bad take. And I'm trying to hit him in his face when he told me his stuff. I want to punch him, like, my man, he's a, this is horrible. Good for going and he to meant church. it just like usual. Good to be going to church, but bad if you misinterpreted what you heard. He misinterpreted us that badly. It could have. Give me these takes are the gospel. No, sir, they're not. You don't understand, boss. No, I, I understand greatly. <laughs> I get what you just told me is wrong. It's terrible. Yes, it is. Jay, have you ever heard somebody butcher an Easter take that bad? Never. I've never heard somebody butcher Easter. I've never heard somebody butcher the Bible that badly. Or, I mean, he butchered multiple things, you know, associated with uh, with Easter and the Bible, all at once. <laughs> I'm like, my man went to Sunday school and got lost. <laughs> lost, and still can't find his way back. It came to my office to tell me this this week. I'm sorry. He rode the bus, the bus to tell me this take. Think about this. He rode the bus to tell me this take. That's crazy. He couldn't just call. Okay. <laughs> you had to come see me off to tell me this take that you laid out for me in 25 minutes of nothing. Yep. And I'm not getting the other parts of his take that were horrible. Were horrible. But it was 25 minutes of devil's kind of takes on the Bible he gave me. I feel bad for you. You had to sit there and listen to that for 25 minutes. I went across the table and hit him in his face. You like, you hit him in the face? I wanted to. Oh. It was 
crosses my mind every other second. <laughs> when should I knock him out? <laughs> he kept spewing this nonsense repeatedly to me. Like, dude, like just nonstop. It just got worse and worse and worse. About yeah, you. that's what it sounds like. First, it no. sounded like a simple bad take. He was calling Easter Esther, and then it just went downhill from there. It went way left. But yeah. as always, with Alvin Tate, the best part to me of Alvin Tate, he just tries to correct me for his own error. Yep, <laughs> he does that a lot. <laughs> you're trying to correct me for your error, sir. And you're right, and he's wrong. <laughs> The nerve of you, sir, to correct me for your bad take. Yeah. Like, you try to tell him something, and he's like, no. <laughs> I know what I heard. That you heard wrong. Exactly. Like, he called the book Deuteronomy Pastrami, Jay. Oh, no, this is wrong. <laughs> Pastrami. It's reading Pastrami. About these ten condiments. That man was hungry when he was in church. That's what happened. <laughs> you broke down me to quote ten condiments, Alvin. <laughs> Thou shalt yep. not peel. Peel, my man. How about steal? I heard what he said, boss. You can't peel those nourishing potatoes. What? Why would there be a commandment telling somebody they cannot peel potatoes? <laughs> you know, talking, this, this is what I'm talking about, how bad these takes were for the 25 minutes in my office talking about this garbage. And then but he I'm just kept going. Now, I'm not so calling the Bible stop. garbage. I'm calling his takes garbage, people. His takes were garbage. He was mad I wouldn't agree with his takes. I'm not agreeing with his stupidity. You can't agree with something when it's wrong. Boss, you don't understand. No, I understand greatly. You're wrong. No, boss, you don't get this. We need, we, me, you, and Jeff need to go to that holy container again. Um, church? <laughs> yeah. Alvin, I would not have you embarrassed me in church like you've done me in the past embarrassed me in church. Ain't happening. Not, not doing it, sir. But yeah, he came by, rode the bus simply to tell me these things. So he said he had a message for me. I'm like, okay, come by. That's what he's going to tell me. All this stuff, what I'm laying out here today on the bad take segment. That was so unnecessary. Hey, Alvin, my man. You gotta do better, Alvin. I'm telling you, can you can't do that, Alvin? That is just a horrific take, Alvin. Like, no. And it, it was bad, Jay. And we're going to have an extended bad take segment because l- 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 let me talk about this real fast. Uh, Jay, this is going to be it's, it's, it's in my wheelhouse to agree. Today, on my way to the playoff game I'm covering, uh, my Uber driver was almost hit because there was a helper, I'm gonna call her a helper, driving with some small dog in her lap while she's driving. 
That's, oh, that's messed up. That's I'm tired of these people with these dogs in their laps driving. That should be illegal. It should. That's like texting while driving. To a degree. Yeah. But worse. You have a live being in your lap. So she about hit my Uber driver because she got this dog in her lap while she's smoking a black. Oh, man. This is adding more damage right there. Dog in lap and smoking a black at the same time while driving? And Not a good combination. Yeah. And she was like, cussing who drive her out. Like, no, you're in the wrong lady. You could have killed us both because you're got Lassie in your, in your damn lap. Smoking up black and mild. I know yeah, what that's I'm doing. Her fault. No, you don't, obviously. Look, if you must ride Lassie in your lap, throw Lassie in the back seat or in the front seat, yep. baby. Preferably the back seat. I'm like, what are you doing? So, Jay, I'm not a police person. I thought they did that kid in Florida I saw a video of this week. But there should be a law enacted about animals in your lap. Why you I crying? agree. Cause I we, agree. We could have got injured today because she had dog in lap and spoken a black about. Yep. And she wasn't paying attention. You can't be running your hand through Lassie's hair while you're driving. Nope. Especially on a busy Metropolitan Street that we was on. In your little Toyota Sequoia. That half SUV you got. That half SUV? <laughs> get a real one. Spend less time on prepping up Lassie and get you a real car. Just saying. Yeah, like, she's smoking and she had on horrific eyebrow and she could tell she painted her eyebrows on. She had overly fuchsia lipstick. Then go with then didn't go her face. You got this mealy head, creamy, shaggy lassie in your lap while hitting my Uber driver. Terrible. Oh man, I'm sorry that she had to go through that, but I'm glad you're okay. Yes, I'm glad too. I was like, damn. Get to my job and help her go snake panties about run us over. And Jay, before I left home to come to the city I'm in right now, one of my neighbors called a get this an in home emergency vet veterinary. Jay, I had no idea vets make house calls now. I didn't know either. I honestly didn't. My man put up in his emergency veterinary mobile and went in the house to a mobile vet veterinary. I was shocked by that too. We learned something new each day. I did not know that they have mobile veterinaries that do house calls around the clock like that. I was doing yard work and my neighbor's animal, a dog, came in my yard and wanted to bark at me. Like, this candy ass Barbie my own yard. I don't understand that Some take. Nerve. <laughs> I don't understand that dog's take. <laughs> I said you are a dumbass dog. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> I 
true deal. You are a dumbass dog with a dumbass take. And my own damn yard, fool. Some of us do that. You are a dumbass. I'm in my own domain. Your dumbass came over in my yard. He barked at me. Yeah. That was my take to the month. To the sucker. And then I proceeded to rent his ass out of my yard. He's going to park me some more. They be like, what's wrong? He was only saying hi to you. Stop. 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 First of all, his ass can't talk. So he can't come on and say hi to me, okay? <laughs> that was my first take to my neighbor. Secondly, this fool knows I live over here. His dumb ass gonna bark at me in my own damn yard. He's gonna walk his little dumb four-legged ass over here and bark at me in my own damn yard. He was saying hi to me. I think not. If the clown is barking at me and not saying hi to me, they're saying I hate you. And guess what? I hate you back. We're even. <laughs> Oh, man. That's crazy. My neighbor's like, don't say that about him. Lenny's a great dog. No, he's a dumb dog. Don't. Great dogs don't go into somebody else's yard and start barking at somebody who's on their own property. I've seen dogs do that before, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's like, wait. <laughs> Hold up. How smart are dogs supposed to be protecting their own property. Yeah, like, my man. You're barking at me in my own domain, sir. So this dog, Jay, he I have a my yard's fenced up for various reasons. It's fenced up. So this jabroni dog walked his dumb ass from his property on the side of the fence into up my driveway to bark at me in my own yard as I throw away cardboard boxes out of my basement. Some nerve of that dog. Oh man. I'm like, are you kidding me? And my neighbor, my neighbor who was Caucasian, trying to make an excuse for his animal. No. He's dumb as hell. Okay? Keep his stupid ass first out of my yard and in your house. So, yeah, that was this weekend, this last weekend, my neighbor's having a merch veterinary coming to the house and my other neighbors dog coming barking about doing my own yard work I'm like are you kidding me and then talking about with Alvin coming to my office what a week I've had already <laughs> Alvin was the worst one that's I, my opinion I think Alvin was the worst one he took the cake of course he did and he always does and, and it's like dude don't make any sense, Alvin. You don't. Like, if I wanted to, I can make a whole show about Alvin's bad taste. It'll be about a flower special. If I wanted to. Because I have some dudes over the years for Alvin. Some doozies. Like, doozies. Yes, I you still, do. I still think when my man tried to, quote, fight the, 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 the hurricane, the tornado with Wall spraying games one of the worst. He sure does. <laughs> it's one of the worst takes I've ever seen in my life. So you're trying to fight a natural disaster out of sky while spraying game. That's your take. Okay. Yeah, that's that's messed up. 
don't know what's right. You can't top that. You can, but you can't. This is like people do better. So today's segment, I just want to do this today because it gets stuff off my chest, man. This is some crazy going on in this world. And then, then my man, Carlos, with his bad spelling. Horrible Damn. spelling. I don't know how you don't get on dates spelling like that. No idea. He's not. I don't, I don't know what to tell the man. Like, my man, you got to do better. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what woman's going to go for that. Unless she's more like remedial herself. That would scare most women off the minute that they read it. They're already going to be turned off. Like, okay, I'm not going to deal with him. I don't even know what he's trying to say. I wonder, does he talk like this? Or does he spell like That's a good question. I don't. If he, but the problem is, he, he might talk to him, but then he spells terrible. They but like, man, nah, we good. I'm good. Nah, I'm good. I'm moving on. I'm like, nah, player. So I think he's screwed. I think he's screwed. Anyway, he's just screwed. He can't win. Mm-hmm. He can't win. Man, man, man. Oh, breaking news here. Travis Scott's being sued by DJ Paul for twenty million dollars, saying he got the track to tear the club up. Mm. Oh wow! Yeah, that, that's a lot of coins right there. Twenty million. Yeah, I'm not too. I, I don't know about how the uh, how sampling goes. I'm gonna have to find out more about how the sampling laws are and how the fair use. I don't know how how that works, but I know back in the day, Puff Daddy gets to get in trouble with Al Green, like the old singers still on their beats too. He was always in court trying to fight for these sample songs he should have sampled and used stuff he shouldn't use. So in the hip hop world, that's but see. I think Jay's problem is like most of these songs are based off of an old song because it's on so many beats you can make. Exactly. That's why they also have the fair use law as well. You can't, not everybody that comes with a melody necessarily stole a beat. They may not have even heard the beat before. Yeah. And it just happens to sound similar. Yeah, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Well, folks, that's Bad Takes for this week on the Boss Man Show. Send the version of Bad Takes. Check us out at bossmanshow.com. 